feature presentation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 108th draft. I'm going back to draft, baby, of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Episodes, drafts. Minis, I like the draft. You know, parts, we went to episodes after 100. Segments. But, you know, whatever you want to call it, we're here. Eric, uh, happy Monday. Happy Spider Monday. <laughs> Bone saws ready? Um, yeah. Uh, Critics' Choice nominees just came out, which will be our big topic of the show today. Um, we both voted on, or I guess like, not really necessarily voted, but I guess submitted our nominees to see how, um, you know, that would flesh out, which we're going to go through every... Uh, category in a little bit but how you doing this monday well uh i'm i'm good i uh i mean i talked about it last right week, yeah you know so um i'll just be quick um i had to go to uh, a funeral for my 16 year old uh step nephew uh, dylan who died of an accidental drug overdose um which is as bad as you would expect it to be yeah. and even worse when you're there i'm so um, sorry man Thank you very much. Um, I think the hardest thing for me was seeing my dad get emotional because yeah. he's not an emotional type of person. Um, so I'm still working through that. And that's going to take a very long time just in terms of like what I was processing and and, and what have you. And um, just very grateful for anybody that, again, you know, sent any condolences and things like that and, and, and reached out. So thank you for that. Um yeah, so I, 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 we can't talk about it now, but something that, you know, it'll sound silly, but something that kind of actually helped me a little bit the other day, just in terms of like, take my mind off of things, um, was watching season four of Cobra Kai, which I, I burnt through the whole thing. So yeah, that is probably a cathartic kind of, uh, you know, thing to get your mind off stuff, which we will have a review for on the 27th of yeah. December. Uh, which you guys can check out. But uh, I'm glad you got to catch that on the weekend. Um, but yeah, it's a big week this week. We have a lot of stuff coming out in the next couple weeks. So we'll be going over Critics' Choice nominations. We'll be talking about what else we've been watching. Um, but I know maybe it's just we've been playing so much catch-up when it comes to Critics' Choice and end-of-year stuff. So that'll probably be the majority of it. But we'll just shoot the shit and talk about... Uh, you know, critics choice and other things, but we have tons of reviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. So you should keep your eye out for don't look up and Benedetta, which should be out very, very soon when you're listening to this, or they might already be up right now. Uh, we'll have reviews for uh, Spider-Man no way home, which should be dropping uh, Tuesday, the 14th, uh, either middle of the night or very early tomorrow morning, depending on when you're listening to this, it might already be up. So go check that out. Uh, we'll have, saws ready. I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. Um, we're seeing it tonight, um, which I think I can say. But um, yeah, uh, we'll have reviews for the Kingsman, which I did see. Uh, review embargo is also tomorrow, I think. So we'll have a review soon, depending on when Eric. Did you watch it yet? Yeah, I watched it last night. Okay, cool. So we'll have a review for that soon. Um, the Lost Daughter, Nightmare Alley, Red Rockets, all coming very, very soon. Then Being the Ricardos, Licorice Pizza, Tragedy of Macbeth, The Matrix Resurrections, um, The Tender Bar, uh, Serrano, um, or Cyrano. Um, Cyrano. Serrano's a pepper. Uh, <laughs> and then, Serrano uh, de Bergerac. <laughs> and then our first review of the new year will be the 355. So, 
or the 355. Um, and then Scream is shortly after that. So it, you got tons of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'll be heading to L.A. for the Critics' Choice Awards and um, a little vacay with Nevis for a week. Um, so Scream, the review there might be the week after when I come back. But we'll see. Depending on, I doubt they'll screen it super early, but uh, that's your schedule for the next couple of weeks. And we'll probably take a little bit of time off over the holidays, but some of these reviews we might record early and then they'll kind of come out as uh, over the holiday break and things like that. So uh, Eric, you, you mentioned Cobra Kai, which we can't talk about yet. I wish we could. Yeah. Um, watching anything else or do you want to go really like into Critics' Choice nominees right I away? I think we should go to into Critics' Choice nominees because I'm sure maybe a couple of them will be films that we either caught up with or we want to kind of maybe bring up again in terms of where they stand even for um, our best of uh, list, which I'm sure we'll do at the, you know, at the end of the year into the new year and things like that. So, um, you know, without further ado, Matt and I are both critics choice members and, uh, you know, we, we both voted this year and in each category, we are given up to three uh, nominees to choose uh, whoever we, we wish. And then in best picture, we get up to five and it's preferential ballot. So meaning the uh, number one is, is the one that's given the most points and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, exciting for me. First time um, in first time voting first year in the critics choice association. So um, it was a, it, it's fun to kind of cram. There was that one week where we had like six screenings in four days and things like that. Then you have a pile of screeners at home that you're watching. And then, um, we talked a little bit last week of the strategy of putting your, like you said, the preferential ballot of one to five for best picture and then one to three for all the other categories. Um, and then the strategy there of, and I struggled with this when I was putting my um, nominees together because I was like, do you vote with your heart um, and put in a movie that you know based on trends, how other people perceive them, like critics, uh, groups, critics, re- just the reviews in general on the Critics' Choice Association weekly. They have, you know, the scores out of 100 from the critics in the association. So you kind of can go by, um, well, what actually has a shot and what is my like what I think is some of the best stuff of the year that you know, I want to vote for, but I don't know if I'm wasting it because I don't know if everyone else will vote for it. So, um, I think that was my thought process. And ultimately I met somewhere in the middle, um, where I was like, you know what, I'm going to mostly vote for stuff that I really liked that I think has a shot of making it, but might be on the cusp, um, or the stuff that I just flat out loved that everyone else loved as well. But then I had to put in a few, that I was just like, you know what, I'm going to put it in there. It's probably not going to happen, but I need to give it a shot because what if I'm wrong? What if I was the person who didn't, there was an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm the other day where Larry leaves the line voting and then the guy wins by or loses by one vote and it's Larry David's fault for not voting. Um, cause he leaves the line cause it was too long and someone walked anyways, Curb's great. Um, I was like, I got to vote for something like The Humans for Best Picture because personally, I thought it was one of the best films of the year. I absolutely loved it. I assumed it had no shot of making it in. Um, So I'm like, do I waste my vote on it? But I'm like, what if there's enough people that, you know, maybe we can be a little bit different. Maybe The Humans will make it in. So I had to put The Humans at number one because I was just like, you know what? I'll give it the most chance I possibly could and then I'll put in some other stuff that I think might be on the cusp. That being said, that's how I voted. And I think you're in like a, a, a kind of similar boat, right? Like you you throw in 
picks that you're like, I have to put these in there to give them a shot. And then you kind of put your rest, right? Yeah. I mean, I know you're a part of the human league, um, which is, which is a good thing. Um, you're only human. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where like, you have to look at it. You mentioned, you know, are you thinking with your heart or your head and are you thinking strategically or do you want to kind of go with what you're picking like as your favorite films of the year? Um, and it's one of those kind of situations where balance does play a role <laughs> and compromise as well when you're thinking strategically because you got to look at like okay the awards body that we're a part of is a very big awards body it represents not only film critics but also tv personality type entertainment journalists things like that so you're not going to get a a, a microcosm or a consensus of something that is like okay you know this one movie uh, is really going to shine here where it might not get oscar nominations but it's yeah. good to see that it gets nominations by the critics because otherwise it wouldn't be represented at all and there's usually the city groups get those right because it's a smaller group of people they kind of go let's let's be the champion of this one movie a small group of toronto film critics association boston film critics association those kind of things yeah exactly and 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 when you're looking at it like that you know like for for me like i voted and i knew it wasn't going to get nominated but i i couldn't not vote for it and that was bergman island yeah you know and and uh i also really loved the green knight and and things like that so when you're voting you're kind malignant. of malignant <laughs> yes yes we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into that as well malignant is is, is great and i voted didn't for, show up uh, anywhere unfortunately BFX, uh which yeah. yeah which is very unfortunate um but yeah when when, when you're voting it's such <clears throat> a weird thing to do because everything feels so predetermined already like by the time we get to this moment in award season it's already kind of tainted in a way where yeah. like the globes were today as well. The front, yeah, but who cares about that? Yeah, and we're not globe members, and no. we're not going to talk about them because I you know, know. we'll I'm reference saying, uh, like, Denny yeah. Villeneuve in terms of the pronunciation. <laughs> but uh, but other than that, um, yeah, I think one of the biggest sort of problems here is that you know you're 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 trying to vote by what you believe is the best, but at the same time, there's this preconceived notion of like, okay, these are the films that are going to get nominated for best picture for the Oscars. And a lot of the times these bigger awards bodies want to match up with the Oscars because they want to be statistical, yeah. right? They want to be like the next year, they'll be like, Oh, last year, our uh, films that were nominated for <laughs> were best a precursor. Picture, yeah, exactly. When they're really not because you know, for the most part, they, they nominate 10, but you look in like all the other categories, there's like six, you know, names per category. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, of course they're going to, to match up because they're all there. Quantity. All the names yeah. Are there, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, that's another thing that can, you know, we, we can be Olivia Newton, John here and let's be critical. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those situations where you're not going to, get what you want. You have to think strategically. And to your point, like what is something that is on the cusp that has a shot that might, you know, benefit from a vote, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I think and there's and, and, one that we believe we actually might've helped with and then everything. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Nicholas Cage and pig. Um, the rest we can go through um, and just kind of talk about 
maybe what we wanted or what we voted for or maybe not we'll go through but i think um, we should uh, there's one category we should talk about and that's <laughs> best supporting actor because i yeah. want to be on the record that i did not vote for jared leto yeah neither did i but I, and i will go you can listen to our review i think and i think you're sort of in the same boat where i'm like he feels like he's in a completely different movie as everyone but i actually kind of thought he was having fun and i had fun with his performance it's do me, i think it's Bono. yeah if i if i if i think do i think it's awards worthy <laughs> no but hey um so i will say um just to kick everything off like the award ceremony is january 9th um at the fairmont century plaza hotel in los angeles it's airing on uh, the cw network and tbs this year um, so that's exciting. And then uh, the kind of line of everything, Belfast, West Side Story are leading with 11 nominations and Dune and Power of the Dog uh, close up with 10 nominations each. Uh, Eric, let's just go through it all and then we can kind of talk about each category. So, uh, oh God, these are the television ones. I don't, it's, uh, I've got Best I, Picture up right now. I can uh, read yeah. through them if you want me to. Yeah, go for it. So for Best Picture, we have Belfast, Coda, don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. How do you feel overall? I think those are kind of mostly what we expected to get in there. Like you said, like it, it these are the movies that are kind of showing up everywhere. Yeah, I would say the one film that probably won't repeat um, at the Oscars will be Tick, Tick, Boom for Best Picture. I think Tick, Tick, Boom is going to be one of those movies that gets one nomination, and that's going to Just be for, Garfield. for Andrew Garfield. Um, not that it's not a, a good movie, and you can listen to our, our review of the film. It's 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 a really wonderful movie but i will put i voted for it um well, no, no, no. And, and that is uh, that is great and that's maybe another film that kind of benefited from your vote is yeah. that you know it made it into the 10 but I, I musicals are one of those things where it's like they're gonna give it to west side story yeah there can only <laughs> yeah. be one you yeah. know and like even something like in the heights which i know you weren't as 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 big on as as i have kind of grown to to love it a little bit more but even that, like at the beginning of this year, like you think like how that was kind of perceived as like this Oscar film and now yeah. nobody's even talking about it and it shows up nowhere. Right. So, and the critics really liked it. So, mm. um, you know, tick, tick, boom and West side story, both being there, um, is kind of interesting. And even Coda has musical elements. Um, yeah. Right? And Coda, I'm glad made it in too, because I, I, I was a little worried based on it coming out earlier in the year, Apple, feeling like they weren't really putting much behind it. Like it kind of just came and went on their service. And I, even in this award season, like I haven't just a little inside baseball, like we didn't receive any, please vote for Coda like stuff for a screener or anything. Like Apple wasn't really pushing it at all. It felt like, um, so I'm kind of glad to see it show up in a few places. And and that's a movie that I loved at Sundance and I've continued to love throughout the years. So um, I'm glad to see it kind of popping up in places. But like everything else, you know, um, you guys can check out our reviews for most of this stuff. And we'll have reviews for Licorice Pizza. And um, have we reviewed Nightmare Alley yet? We haven't. No, right? we, that's, no. that's on okay. the list of films to review. <laughs> like, it's such a blur of like what we have done and what we haven't. But um, but I've come to enjoy West Side Story even more. I voted for it in a lot of places. I love, love, love Tick, Tick, Boom and Coda. Uh, I think we're both kind of medium on Belfast, but assumed that it would uh, show up in most places. And I'm not 
against that. Uh, Don't Look Up, we haven't reviewed yet, but you guys can, it will be up by the time you're listening to this. I liked it a little bit more than Eric, but not surprised that it's popping up in places. Uh, Dune, uh, infamously, you guys know our opinion on Dune. Uh, I didn't vote for it anywhere, or maybe special effects, I think I voted for it. Um, but even Denny Villanueva is doing really <laughs> <Yeah>. well. <laughs> I love that. And I love that tweet got no likes because no one knows what I'm talking about. I liked but it. Like, I know you did. I Sorry, I, I don't mean to. I know you're going to like it, though. I support you. Gonna, I know you do and vice versa. But I mean, like, I knew you would understand that tweet, yeah. but no one else does. Um, it's a niche tweet, but it's a yeah. good one. It's It's a very good one. Yeah, and I think again the, the films we were medium on, but we knew that they'd be like awards players were Belfast, King Richard, uh, Nightmare Alley. Um, so I'm surprised Nightmare Alley showed up in as many spots as it did. But I know that there are people who really, really like that movie. But and it's also a crafts film, like yeah, a lot of when it comes to um, you know guilds and critics groups and things like that, you'll probably see it pop up a lot in places like production design and cinematography yeah. and, and, and hair and makeup and things like Which that. Which I don't disagree is. with any of that. No, yeah. I don't either. I just was kind of lukewarm on the movie as were you. And, and to your point, going back to Coda, I got to say that, you know, it's a testament to the film itself because it wasn't getting the support it needed really from Apple. They're starting to now where they're doing screenings and because they start to see that people are voting for yeah, it. Yeah. Cause like in New York and LA, they've been doing sort of like special screenings and critics group stuff and, and all that. But like throughout the year, even when it was released, there wasn't a big lead up to the release of the film. Um, but the person that's actually benefiting the most from, from Coda is Troy Kutzer. Yeah. He's showing um, up in a lot of places, yeah. which is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, that's an interesting strategy when you think behind the scenes of everything in, in award season. And now that I've gotten a little taste of it, of the, you know, my security guards at my building getting 11 <laughs> packages per day for me. Um, I think it's just, it's fascinating of like how they try to, you know, go, Hey, reminder, we had this movie this year. We would love for you to vote for it or watch it. Um, it, the strategy of maybe reverse for Apple being like, well, we'll just wait and see what one of our movies get nominated and then we might put our full force into it. Now that they see Coda show up in places, maybe now is the time to be like, okay, now we're going to try to convince people for it to win instead of it just getting a nomination. So, and even the tragedy of Macbeth, right? Yeah. Like, that was a movie that they really weren't doing other than the New York Film Festival. They weren't doing a lot of press for it up until – uh last week where we saw it at this IMAX event Shakespeare on Sunday screening yeah. right so like even with that like Denzel made it in but i feel like if they had kind of like really pushed it a championed little harder. it earlier it might have been showing up in some of the tech categories or things yeah. like that or even yeah. for Catherine Hunter who's kind of amazing she's in great a, yeah. in a small role as the uh the weird sisters yeah uh, moving on to best actor. Here's one where Eric already mentioned it that I think we did help because we both had him very high was Nicolas Cage in pig. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm so glad that we, we had him, uh, in there. Cause I, I, I'm, I was worried that he wasn't going to show up anywhere for that, uh, uh, performance. So, uh, love that, uh, Cumberbatch, uh, in power of the dog Dinklage and, uh, Serrano, um, <laughs> Cyrano. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom, Will Smith in King Richard, and Denzel in Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, I think only, oh yeah, I voted for uh, Cage and Garfield. I forget who I had at three. Oh, Simon Rex, who I wanted to get in there so badly. 
Um, and I tried. I put him at number one. I put I, him at I two. Tried. I tried my damnedest, but it did not work. So, um, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy with this. I mean, I'm not too hot on uh, Will Smith or Denzel, or um, but I thought they're both fine. But um, I think Will Smith is a little cartoony in King Richard. I thought Denzel's great. But it is just the Shakespearean dialogue. I'm like, all right, I don't, I don't know. I guess it's good. Uh, but, um, <laughs> They'll quote you on the poster. Yeah. I guess it's good, Matt Rohrbeck. Um, but this is a pretty solid group. I mean, yeah, all I, like actors themselves. This is a very accomplished group altogether. But to your point, I think Simon Rex, and we'll talk. You'll you'll hear it in our review gives one of the trickiest performances of the year and also one of the best performances. And it kind of feels like something that we'll look back on, you know, from years to come and be like, why didn't we nominate people like Adam Sandler for uncut gems or Charlie Theron for young adult or Simon Rex for, you know, for red rocket, like all of these performances while prickly and and caustic in nature and and very unlikable are so compelling and it's like a second skin you know like the way that simon rex is able to inhabit you know mikey saber is nothing short of like it reminded me a little bit of like sylvester stallone and rocky where like I wonder what Rex's career outside of, of Red Rocket will be, but as that moving care- forward, yeah. yeah, as as Mikey Saber, he's just perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's an amazing performance. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, in actress, we have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for the Lo- the Lost Daughter, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, Alana Haim for Licorice Pizza, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Um. I will say that Chastain, Gaga, and Kidman are the ones where I'm like, guys, like it just seems so obvious when people vote for those. Where it's just like it goes back to the point where you, uh, we had that great conversation. You're like, Matt, a lot of the times it's just the most, whether it's the most makeup, the most accent, the most whatever. It's the just biggest like, performance. The, in the biggest room. performance. The most transformative is is a thing that people really love, or the best impersonation, or or whatever, and um. Those three performances I don't like really. Like I think I'd say Jessica um, Chastain is the best of of those, and and I think that if the movie was better in the same way that fair. if House of Gucci was a better film, it might have been something that worked. But I think overall, it's like that's the other thing as well. If you're playing, you mentioned impersonation. If you're playing somebody who's real and who's mm-hmm. larger than life, it's same thing with Will Smith and King Richard. Yeah, you're going to attract people. Like I remember Michael yeah. Keaton doing interviews after Birdman, after losing to Eddie Redmayne for the Theory of Everything, was like he talked to Oscar voters and other members, and like Michael, you gave one of the best performances of the year, but you didn't play a real person, so I can't. I can't vote. For I know you. it's it's ridiculous, but and I agree with you that Chastain. I just I don't think that movie's very good. No. And just like it's, I don't know. But uh, Coleman is obviously dynamite in Lost Daughter. Uh, I'm so glad to see Alana Haim get in there because I did. I voted for her as well, which I believe you did as yes, well. Yes, she was my number one, um, and Coleman was my number two. Yeah, Coleman. I keep I keep thinking about her performance as well. Yeah, like same. It's so subtle. But it's surgical in how she interacts with people and sort of how the character is able to carry herself through this journey. And, and again, we'll talk about it more in, in, in the in review, review. But yeah. um, 
it's just nice to see a subtle performance get in. Like you mentioned yeah. all the big, big performances. Yeah. And Coleman obviously has been lauded quite well in the last few in years. Last, and, we've, yeah. and we've seen, you know, I mean, she's amazing in the favorite, but that is a, that is a bigger performance. That's a showier performance. Yeah, um, for sure. But a very good earned showy performance. I agree. Yeah. Um, and then the father as well. She's, she's amazing in that movie, but she's always been good. And seeing somebody get nominated for nuance is just, is you great. know yeah it's it's delightful and and it's a great movie and um we'll talk about it more um, i'm trying to think who else i voted for but um i have mine I, up I, here i had amelia jones in 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 coda which i i thought she wouldn't get in because she'd probably get into the young uh young person category uh which i think she did we'll get there but um, hold on i'm just looking up i'm looking at the texts i sent to you yeah uh, no not the boy band quentin tarantino thing uh, okay <laughs> not uh oh tessa okay so i voted for tessa thompson for passing and that's that's a movie that showed up nowhere yeah and that i think does say something as well Um, sure yeah so rebecca hall i mean that that movie has been doing quite well with critics groups in smaller regions um but tessa tessa thompson's performance i thought would be one of those that would make it in that would benefit Mm -hmm. from you know, like a couple extra votes and it's a really, again, it's a really subtle performance. So I understand why people maybe wouldn't be like, forgot okay, about it or just like be, yeah. be their number one. Yeah. I feel that. Um, and then obviously Kristen Stewart for Spencer again, playing a real person, a great impersonation. I like her more than you did, but um, I think it's pretty obvious that she made it in. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's a better movie too. I think it's a yeah. better movie than being the Ricardos and the Agreed, eyes of yeah. Tammy Faye and, uh, House of Gucci. Yeah. Uh, for supporting actor, uh, my dude, Jamie Dornan. God love him. Uh, sh- I wish he got in for uh, uh, Barb and Star as well. But he got in for Belfast, uh, Kieran Hines for Belfast, Troy Coetzer for Coda, Jared Leto for House of Gucci, J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith McPhee. So two out of three of my picks uh, made it in, which were the ones that – I mean, Troy Kotzer, uh, Coetzer, Coetzer, um like you said, that's a he's a, a pleasant surprise to see show up in some of these categories. Uh, I had him in my top three. I also had Cody Smith McPhee, who I think is excellent. Uh, I had Richard Jenkins in this category. I thought he might have had a shot, but obviously he did not. So okay, what I want um, you to do right now, Matt, is read yeah. your three that you voted for verbatim. Uh, Richard Jenkins, uh, The Humans, Cody Smith McPhee, Power of the Dog, and Troy Coetzer for Coda. Okay, so there is no trace of Jared Leto in <laughs> no. those three. Okay, no, good. no. And so, I again, I will, I will defend Jared Leto in that movie a little bit, even though I do not like him. Um, I, I think he is enjoyable in that movie. Um, do I think it's one of the best performances of the year? No. <laughs> okay, fair. But you still didn't vote for him. No, 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 no. Okay, this is this is what I want on the record, and, and I'm going to read. And I'm going to read mine. So. <laughs> Best Supporting Actor, Name, and Film. <laughs> Vincent Linden for T10. That's Cody Smith McPhee, yeah. The Power of the Dog. And Coleman Domingo for Zola. Yeah. Uh, I like no that you, of you, tried, you tried your hardest for Coleman Domingo. and I love um, the guy. I, I like... After If Beale Street Could Talk, I'm a fan. Oh, he's great. No, he's phenomenal in that movie. And sorry, who was your number one again? Uh, Vincent. Oh, yeah. Vincent Linden. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, unfortunately. uh, But that's a performance that like, even though that movie is so divisive, 
I feel like that, like, even if you don't Everyone like can agree film, that he's good in it. He's yeah. so good in that movie. Yeah. Yep. No one let O from either of us. So on the record. <laughs> let O my um, ego. <laughs> um, best supporting actress, uh, Katarina Balf for Belfast. Uh, a- Adriana DeBose for uh, West Side Story. Anne Dowd for Mass. Kirsten Dunst for uh, Power of the Dog. Anjane Ellis for King Richard. Uh, Rita Morano for uh, West Side Story. Um, I will say only one of my picks uh, made it in here. I voted for uh, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. Um, I had Jesse Buckley and Marley Matlin in here. Uh, again, I really tried to put a lot of my weight behind Coda because I really loved it. And I thought it was one of those movies that was on the cusp in each one of these categories. So I tried to kind of include it in a lot. And I also had the lost daughter in a lot of categories. Cause I felt like it was also on the cusp and I feel like it had the opposite problem of maybe coming out a bit too late where not enough people either watched it or it, maybe it's too subtle of a movie or, or small of a movie. But uh, I thought Jesse Buckley was dynamite in that, uh, in that movie and, and Marley Matlin as well. So, but I like this, uh, this group of actresses there. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Marley Matlin also won an Oscar for her yeah. first film for children of a lesser God. So yeah. like she is a known actor where Troy Kotzer is somebody who's kind of known as a mostly as a stage actor and is he's like Paul Racy. Paul Racy and him are, are, yeah. are buddies. And so you could almost see the same trajectory for for Trocotzer here where yeah. like he kind of continues to build that momentum. And it's a very good performance. And so it, it, same thing though with Marley Matlin. Like she's very good in that role and, and you could create this narrative comeback in a way where it's like she she hasn't been mm-hmm. nominated since well, she won in eighty six and that was the one film that she won for. Um, right. So yeah. So there there is that narrative there, but it is interesting that the, the person that is benefiting the most is is Troy Gotzer. Um I agree with you. Uh Jesse Buckley, uh, in my opinion, um, gave the best supporting uh actress performance of the year and just one of the best performances, period. And I, I think that she is um without a doubt one of the best actors working right now. Um everything that she does is very interesting, weird, and outside the box. And especially when it's a role that you have somebody else who is just as iconic or, you know, memorable in their portrayal of the same person and you're cutting back and forth and, and it's sort of within the subconscious mind. Uh, she's able to create a character that, you know, obviously doesn't look like Olivia Coleman to any degree, but does have, you know, shared attributes. Oh, and totally. Mannerism, yeah. Mannerisms and, and things like that. And, and it's a shared performance, but they're both incredible. They yeah. complement each other. And give perfectly. it their own. Yeah. Like they both feel unique while being the same person. Right. Yeah. Um, and then my other two, I like, you know what? Like I honestly actually thought Ruth Nega would, would show up in, in uh, supporting actress for passing because again, it's, it's a very subtle performance, but it's the one that has, it's it's it has more kind of oomph than than Tessa Thompson in passing, and it's it's quite memorable, especially in the third act of of the film, and and I think that that again that the way that she's able to navigate two worlds, and and sort of play a character that has sort of interesting caveats to who she is as a person, um, mm-hmm. I think is really great. The the one 
again, we're talking like Buckley kind of being in flashbacks and giving this amazing performance. The other person that I really loved that I also voted for was Mia Wasikowska for Bergman's Island and um, at Bergman Island. And, and, and yeah. what I really loved about that performance as well is that performance doesn't come in until almost like an hour into the movie and the way that it's constructed within the meta narrative could have taken away from the performance because you're so kind of fixated on what Mia Hansen love is doing with the structure of the story that it kind of maybe loses like, Oh, like I'm not really paying attention to the acting per se, Mm -hmm. but what she is able to do in terms of creating a sense of what the Vicky creeps character is feeling in real life and projecting that onto the page and projecting that into the film that is, that we're being shown is nothing short of just a brilliant performance. And again, it's just a shame that it's, it's a smaller movie. It's being released by IFC films. I knew it wasn't going to do well, but it would be nice to see her show up in some critic groups as well. Yeah, and you have to kind of put your weight behind those kind of movies too, right? When you think it might have a chance if there's enough people who feel the same way as you. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, Ann Dowd getting in for Mass makes sense for me if Mass was going to show up anywhere. um, And everyone else uh, makes sense here. We didn't talk about like J.K. Simmons in The Best Supporting Actor was the one. I love J.K. Simmons, but I just don't even remember him in Ricardo's. I'm like, no, he's fine. But I'm just like, that's surprising to me, I think, out of all of them. I'm like, that's who we want to. I love J.K. Simmons. But like, I'm like, that's a performance we want. We want to like put our weight behind and go, yeah, we nominated J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. I'm like, he's good, but I'm like, I don't even remember him. Awards worthy um, good though? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, Best Young Actor and Actress. So Jude Hill for Belfast, Cooper Hoffman for Licorice Pizza, Amelia Jones for Coda, Woody Norman for Come On, Come On, uh, Sonia Sidney for King Richard, and Rachel Zegler for West Side Story. Uh, we talked a little bit about Zegler in our West Side Story review, how um, we talked about, you know, Spielberg, not necessarily, she was worked on a few things before West Side Story, but we think she's going to be an absolute kind of superstar after that movie. She's already been cast in Snow White as well as Shazam, Shazam too. Um uh, Amelia Jones, I voted for in Best Actress, so it's nice to see her show up here. Uh, obviously, Cooper Hoffman in Licorice Pizza um, makes sense, and Jude Hill is uh, the star of Belfast as well. Um, and uh, you know, even uh, Sonia Sidney in King Richard. I didn't see Come On, Come On yet. I couldn't fit it in under the deadline, so I'm I'm not quite sure about Woody Norman. Woody but- Norman is very good, and I think a lot what a lot of people <laughs> are taking away from that performance is outside of the performance itself, which is that he's British and okay. he's playing an American and. And as a child, that's probably hard, even harder to do. Yeah, and he is he is very good in the film. Uh, two of the three people I voted for um, are on. Okay, this keep list. Va- uh, vamping because I got to the bathroom. Over all here. right, all right. Uh, so Cooper Hoffman, um, Licorice Pizza, which next to Bo Burnham's Inside is my favorite film of the year, um, and we'll talk about that movie. And I think it'll be a very interesting discussion definitely um earns a spot um in in this category amelia jones i also voted for uh for coda i think that she is um terrific in the role i'm just looking up now um who i voted for oh and uh uh liu uh savud uh for stillwater which is a movie that kind of came and went after um playing at can and a lot of the kind of 
attention was taken away from the fact that, you know, Matt Damon was playing this kind of Trumpian like, you know, supporter or voter kind of going to um, France to help his daughter who was uh, imprisoned. And he kind of starts a relationship with a mother and daughter and sort of becomes a, a, a new father figure to them. But I thought that the little girl's performance in that movie was really, really well done. I was just talking about Stillwater. Oh, that's who your third choice was that didn't make yeah. it in? Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Um, and then I had, I think I already talked about it, right? Uh, oh, I also had um, McKenna Grace in Ghostbusters because I did like her a lot in that movie, but I'm not surprised didn't make it in. Although, I mean, um, that is a performance that is like, if like I could see her getting in. Like, yeah, I could see it. Um, but uh, when I look at the other group uh, of you know people who did make it in, I, I kind of understand. Um, yeah, because they're in movies that are probably going to get nominated. Yes, where other- Ghostbusters isn't showing up anywhere, right? No. So people don't even think, oh, I should nominate her from that movie here. But I really liked her in that movie. So um, uh, that was my third pick. Maybe I should have put her a little higher to try to push her in. But uh, best acting ensemble, uh, Belfast, Don't Look Up, The Harder They Fall, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. So I think the, the coolest thing here is The Harder They Fall making it in because everything else is a you know a Best Picture nominee. So <laughs> obviously a best ensemble kind of makes sense for the rest of them. Um, I I haven't watched The Harder They Fall yet. It's uh, fun. And, it's, yeah, it's- and I will watch it like... The one thing I will say, I tried to squeeze in as much as I could before the deadline, but uh, we're only human. So, um, well, you, you are only human. Uh, you yeah. voted for the humans. Um, I couldn't fit in everything, but I will watch every single movie that is nominated to make sure that I can vote in every category uh, before we vote for the actual winners. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, The Harder They Fall is a very fun movie. I think the third act specifically just kills it like it reminded me a lot of what sam raimi did with his remake of the quick and the dead and how kind of kinetic and sort of energetic the movie is and and sort of how unafraid and unabashed it is to take on sort of like you know all these kind of insane shots and and over the top cinematography and direction but it's doing so in the milieu of you know the spaghetti western specifically and not just playing within sort of the context of um, you know, the classic Western and then, yeah, the cast is just incredible yeah, in that movie. Great. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite performances, I think, and if, if he was showing up anywhere, like I think Lakeith Stanfield has an amazing supporting performance. Oh yeah. In, I'm excited in, to watch it. I, yeah. I just, I, I couldn't fit it in, but uh, I did vote for the humans here. Cause I thought maybe uh, it's a smaller ensemble. So I didn't think that it probably would make it in, but it is an act. Like I feel like it acting is first and foremost in that movie from the whole group of that five people. So um tried to but didn't make it. Um anything you voted for that didn't make it in or or what No, I think everything or yeah. hold on. So my my votes were for the harder they fall, licorice pizza and coda. Okay, cool. So you helped the harder they fall probably get in there. That's awesome. Um then we move on to best director. So we have PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson, 
who says superhero movies are not ruining cinema. God bless him. Um, Kenneth Branagh uh, for Belfast, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Guillermo del Toro for Nightmare Alley, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, and Dennis Villanueva for <laughs> Dune. Um, <clears throat> yeah, if people don't know what we're referencing, um, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, did the nomination or announced the nominations for uh, the Golden Globes. And what's, uh, they sent him out to like basically it sounded like me trying to pronounce you know people's names uh when we're doing something that i don't prep for at all but if i was doing the golden globe nominations um not saying that you know again we don't want to talk too much about it cuz uh they're useless but like you should have given him how to pronounce these names like i feel kind of bad for him where they just went up and he, he even pronounced ben affleck's name wrong and i'm just like it just, I don't know. Like, but the Dennis Villanueva thing was funny because it was a callback to a Lights Camera Jackson thing that was that was funny. Um, they they did the co-star of the Beach Bum dirty. Yeah, yeah. lingerie. Uh, <laughs> I love him in that movie. Uh, this group of people kind of all makes sense. I will say that I voted for um, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Sharn uh, Heater uh, for Lost Daughter and Coda. Um, they did not make it in, but I tried to put my weight behind that. Uh, but I did vote for Jane Campion who did make it in. Um, yeah. So, um, I voted for Paul Thomas, uh, Anderson for licorice pizza. I voted for Jane Campion for the power of the dog. And I voted for Julia DeCarno for T10 and, uh, you know, all three got in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wish. I, T10 um, again, I think is just so well, like it's such a muscular, movie and like for anybody who is like oh a woman can't direct a, a guy's picture or like you know sure do a cronenbergian-esque horror movie it's right there yeah but uh instead we i mean i'm fine with this crop i mean uh, again as much as i i don't care for nightmare alley i think technically it's a uh i guess impressive movie same with dune um you know, and, you know, Branna being very personal for Belfast, that kind of makes sense. PTA directed the shit at a licorice pizza. Um, and then Steven Spielberg, uh, the same for West Side Story. He's a legend and he probably deserves to be in there as well. And then Jane Campion, I think. Uh, so glad to see her um, in there for Power of the Dog because it's um, very, very well directed as well. Um, I would agree. Best Original Screenplay, uh, PTA for Licorice Pizza, Zach Balin for King Richard, uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Adam McKay and David Sirota for Don't Look Up, and Aaron Sorkin for Being the Ricardos. Um, I think Sorkin gets in here because it's Sorkin. Um, it's, it's just name alone. Yeah, like. it's literally like, hey, he was a great, he is a great writer. Let's just, if we're going to vote for this movie, uh, you know, Let's put it here. Should have doubled um, down and put him in director as well. Uh, PTA, uh, PTA for Licorice Pizza is awesome. Uh, the King Richard one, and uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's also I interesting guess. to think that being the Ricardos and King Richard are, are original, original because yeah. there's Even so Belfast much source material. Extent. Yeah, there's so much source material on those movies in terms of documentaries, um, documentaries real life. <laughs> books autobiographies you know but because it's not based off of one single thing it's original right like which is interesting because um yeah even belfast being about 
you know, loosely based off semi-autobiographical. Yeah, yeah. Like it is not necessarily, I guess it is, but, um, I mean, even licorice pizza, I mean, licorice pizza has people like John Peters and it's anecdotal yeah. to Gary Goatsman, who's, um, Tom Hanks's producer's own life. Yeah. So you would think like, again, even though it's not based like on like something that's already reality. Been yeah. Or, published or, or already, sorry. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pre-existing material. <clears throat> so, um, you know, interesting. Uh, don't look up. I think if it was gonna, uh, I mean, it's shown up in a lot of places, but um, don't look up is the one that did it not get nominated? No, it did. Oh, it yeah. did. Yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think that makes perfect sense. I voted for. Um, I tried to get. No, sorry, this isn't adapted. Oh, yeah, I tried to get T10 in here because I feel like if T10 was going to show up anywhere, I thought it's, you know, original screenplay. It's quite original. That's for sure. You love cars. Um, So I did vote for Don't Look Up and Licorice Pizza, which did make it in. What about you? Anything you tried to get in? I voted for Licorice Pizza, which got in. And then the two that didn't get in, one which I knew wasn't going to get in, um, Bergman Island. Um, And then the other one was The Mitchells versus The Machines. Yeah, I know. And when you told me that, I'm like, fuck, I should have also, maybe I was the reason it didn't get in here, which is not true because it didn't really show up anywhere else. But um, we will get to it in a moment, which I'm glad it showed up where it did. but yeah, that was a great choice, and I wish I kind of uh, put it in there. Um, best adapted screenplay: Jane Campion for *Power of the Dog*, Maggie Gyllenhaal for *The Lost Daughter*, Sharon uh, Heater for *Coda*, uh, Tony Kushner for *West Side Story*, and John Spates, Dennis Villanueva, and Eric Roth for *Dune*. Um, the Kushner one for *West Side Story*, I'm a little like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, then, I'm not. I'm not. Because yeah, there is. There's enough that he like changed, changed to justify it being eligible or in contention. Yeah. Um, it's the same. Th- it's, it is one of those nominations though, where it's like, it, it would be the same thing with the tragedy of Macbeth if it got nominated where it's like, yeah. okay, you're just adapting Shakespeare or you're just adapting a play, but there was, I know there's mix. more to it than that. I get that, but I'm just, it's but not I do very, agree with you. it's not very inspired. That's, no. that's what I mean. Like, I feel like, yeah, okay of course it's anyways um that's the one but i'm so glad to see sharon heater here um uh maggie it was Gyllen- based on a french film yeah uh maggie gyllenhaal for the lost daughter i think is fantastic jane campion for power of the dog uh great um you know our problems with dune but i don't necessarily think that's ne- with the script but uh, i'm fine with that making it in but um i'm glad to see those top three women make it in here yeah, and and um, two of the three um, of uh, uh, the power of the dog and the lost daughter um, were were two of my picks. Um, so it's nice to see those movies uh, get nominated. And yep. again, I put Coda in the lost daughter, so I'm glad I put the humans in here, which it did not. Uh, my third one was passing, and um, yeah, did so. not show up. Uh, best cinematography, uh, Bruno Delbanel for, uh, the tragedy of Macbeth, Greg Frazier for Dune, Giannis Kaminsky for West Side Story, Dan Lostison for, um, Nightmare Alley, Ari Wagner for Power of the Dog, and Harris Zambarlukas for Belfast. Um, I had, uh, Spencer in here, uh, and West Side Story. Uh, and the Green Knight, I tried really hard to get in here, but it did not work. I have a gripe with this category. Yeah. Um, I think that 
Nightmare Alley is one that isn't necessarily the best looking visually. I think what helps get that nomination is, is, in the, production is the production design. design. Mm, I agree with and you. And then Belfast is another one where like, okay, yeah, it's in black and white. I mean, you, you can make that argument as well with Tragedy Macbeth because I know you weren't as big of a fan, but I get that more because of the style choices are more specific to yeah. an era of film it's referencing. And sure. Belfast to me, and Kenneth Branagh has been very kind of honest about this like he was very much inspired by Paolo Palakowski's uh Ida so like sometimes the cinematography feels very disjointed in terms of like its style and what it wants to do so like you'll have like some low like there's one low angle shot that feels very in weird which movie me. sorry uh Belfast right so right, right. there's a shot in Belfast where it's Jamie Dornan kind of you know um standing up to uh his childhood friends that are now IRA members um, and it's kind of like this low angle shot of Dornan's, the back of Dornan's head. And then you see like the clouds in the sky kind of moving as well. And it's just, it's such a weird stylistic choice that doesn't really fit at that point in the film of what they're doing. And like things like that really started to, to irritate me quite a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly indifferent on Belfast cinematography. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, but I, I, I don't disagree with you there. And Macbeth, yeah, I mean, I didn't love the look of it, but I think that was just a style choice that I did not vibe with. I, I don't necessarily think that the cinematography was bad. It was just, uh, I think it goes back to that production design thing where um, I just didn't like the look of it. I um, I felt it very empty and, and kind of uh, drab and uh, dull looking, but um I understand that's more of a style choice that I think works even if I didn't like it and that should maybe be kind of um, celebrated rather than um, and I mean Greg Frazier for Dune makes sense Kaminsky for West Side Story makes sense um, as much as I didn't like Dune um, obviously that IMAX cinematography and stuff is is mesmerizing and uh, the Nightmare Alley thing I agree with you that's I think uh, because of the production design of the movie and the lighting and and Again, when you're talking about style, like I think Macbeth nails the style it's going for, even if I did not like the style or it didn't work for me. Um, I think Nightmare Alley is trying to have that noir vibe to it, but I don't think it really nails that noir look um, like personally. And I don't um, think Don, uh, Dan Lawson's, um cinematography is... It just doesn't work for me with Guillermo del Toro's sensibilities. I love yeah. The Shape of Water, but the one of yeah. the things that I didn't really like is this kind of like Amelie-esque mm-hmm. kind of um, bright but slick color palette that yeah. it, Almost, it just doesn't yeah. mesh with what Guillermo del Toro has done in the past. Like I liked it when he was kind of working in like earthy tones. Yeah. And I feel that there's um, a little bit lost there. Yeah. And then Ari Wagner for uh, Power of the Dog. That's a gorgeous looking movie. So yeah. makes sense. Uh, production design, which we what, were just what talking you, about. What did you pick for? for uh, I had Spencer, West Side Story, and Green Knight. Nice. Um, um, I'm, I had Green Knight, Power of the Dog, and Spencer. Okay. So we basically were the same. I just swapped West Side Story for um, uh, whatever the difference was. But there. I will say um, with Spencer, like – Claire Mathon's cinematography is so beautiful. And she's one of those, again, one of those cinematographers that's been working with people like Celine Siama 
she shot Portrait of a Lady on Fire as well. And like to see her work with Pablo Lorraine here is like, it doesn't feel repetitive to what Portrait of a Lady on Fire is, but there is Mm -hmm. a connection there that comes out beautifully and complements what Lorraine is doing with this kind of fable historical fiction narrative. For sure. Um, now we go to production design. We have uh, Belfast, Nightmare Alley, uh, The French Dispatch, West Side Story, and Dune. Um, most of these completely make sense to me. Um, right. I voted for um, West Side Story, uh, The Green Knight, and Licorice Pizza. So two out of three of my picks did not make it in. Um, but I do understand why all of these movies you do understand why. yeah uh, again even with dune i'm a little because again similar problem i had with tragedy of Macbeth, where i get that arrakis is you know a sand planet and it's pretty empty and things like it's that rough, but like it's coarse it, it gets, gets everywhere. everywhere um and i think it's again i think the cinematography in dune um with the imax footage especially kind of tricks people into thinking it's more impressive than it is um where the production design and i get that that's from the books and and i don't know i just want to translate to screen i'm like there's a lot of brown there's like three buildings and like it's just a lot of emptiness to me where i'm just like i i get i get it but i also don't well, it's also um, a default nominee for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Like it's it's almost one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if I can't think of anything, well, that um, movie was impressive looking. So yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, well, if I can't figure out, like, oh, if I haven't seen all the blockbuster movies that are out, I'll just I'll I'll throw in Dune or I'll throw in one of the bigger films that is that is yeah. you know going for best picture. So it's it's almost like. You know, it it gets in no matter what because people, some people won't be looking at like all, you know, the the, the potential nominees or even nominees that aren't, you know, going to make it past, um, you know, critics groups. So yeah, um, Adam Stockhausen and Rita D'Angelo got a double nomination because they were the production designers both on French Dispatch and West Side Story. So that's awesome for them. Um, but I would have liked, you know, I thought uh you know licorice pizza nailed its time period um which i would have loved to see it get in um as well as uh i also had green knight which i think is you know just i think in some of those technical categories i would have liked to see it show up but unfortunately it's too weird and it's just it's again it's like t10 where it's it's going to have a, a a small core group of fans really you know behind championing it, it and, yeah. and, and wanting to get into categories but when it comes to a, a bigger awards body it it'll get diluted and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate um yeah yeah i two of what did you have yeah got in which was the power of the dog and uh west side story power of the dog did not it didn't in. no no fuck no, it didn't. So oh only West God. Side Story did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what was your other one? Uh, my other one was the Souvenir Part 2. Right. And right. the Souvenir Part 2, narratively, it's basically about this person who's putting her life together while she's in film school after losing uh, a loved one and how you know she's now making this movie that kind of reflects how she's feeling and they're building sets 
in in shooting in this soundstage. And do like, you think it, that suffered from the problem, like basically what I had, where I didn't see the first one, so sure. I felt scared. Not scared, but I was like, oh, I got to watch both of them or I can't just jump into part two. A little bit. Yeah. I I mean, like I I could see that even happening with Dune part two in a weird way or maybe like the opposite where it's like we we nominated Dune for everything. And like yeah. when Dune Two comes out, it's like okay, well we gave it what we yeah. it's thought just, it deserved. It's part two of the same movie, yeah. So. <laughs> and the souvenirs kind of like that as well. Where I think I do want to watch both part one and part two. The I just first movie had more acclaim behind it when it was released, and then part two, even though it did also play um, at Cannes outside of uh, uh, the main competition. Um, a twenty four just kind of dropped it, and it yeah, just, it's, it feels it's like, like it kind of came and went. But it's so good, like it's one of those movies again, like Bergman Island that plays with the meta narrative and how it also reflects Joanna Hogg, who's the who's the writer director, her own career and her own kind of contribution to cinema and like where she started and and watching that movie unfold, she nails the the last the last twenty minutes of that movie are yeah. perfect. Cool. Perfect. Cool. Uh, editing. Uh, we have West Side Story, Belfast, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, and Dune. Uh, for me here, I had uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, and Lost Daughter in here, as well as West Side Story. So one of my picks uh, made it in, but Tick, Tick, Boom, and The Lost Daughter did not. Uh so I'm in the same category as you, Matt. Uh, my one and only that got in for editing was West Side Story. Um, because I do feel that even though the movie is almost three hours long, it moves at a really decent pace and it kind of feels in tune and in rhythm with the performances and the music. And for that, I think it does deserve the nomination. Um, the other two movies that I nominated um, – were long shots at best. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think uh, Red Rockets editing and what Sean Baker does with some of the punchlines and how he cuts um, is incredible. That's an inspired choice. I like that. And then also for Petite Mama, uh, which I think has one of the best edits uh, transitions. (sighs) I agree with that as well. Film. uh, This was one of those ones where I love both of those choices, but it was one of those ones that I was like, okay, I I thought maybe tick, tick, boom and lost daughter had a shot, but, um, I think those are phenomenal choices and, and both of those movies, it's unfortunate they didn't show up anywhere. Yeah. And I think Um, partly because petite mama, even though it's not, it doesn't get released until next year in North America in 2022. Um, it does qualify for this year in terms of awards. Because of its foreign release, right? Yeah. Or and so, and, and it's also got a, a, like a one week release in New York, I think in Brooklyn or outside of Brooklyn. Um, so I think that maybe also kind of, kind of confused people as well. And neon put more. Attention I will admit, into T10. I will admit, I totally forgot about Petite Maman. Like, that was the one fumble I had while voting. Because, like, after I submitted my votes, you sent, we were talking, and we didn't talk about what we were going to vote until after. Um, and I was like, fuck, I forgot about Petite Maman. Just completely forgot about it. And it's one of my favorite movies of the year, but I was referencing, like, my letterbox and other things of, like, my rankings of the year and different things like that. And I, uh, because of Petite Maman's release being 
technically next year in North America. I haven't, I don't have it on my best of the year this year. So then I just forgot about it. And anyways, but. And that's I'm, what I'm, happened with Portrait of a Lady on Fire too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, best costume design, uh, Cruella, Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Dune, and House of Gucci. Uh, I had Spencer, uh, West Side Story, and Cruella. So two out of three of my picks. Um, but I, I know the costumes in Spencer were based on, I think, real real outfits we knew Princess Di wore and stuff like that. But well, I that OPP they were, hat, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was great. But I, I thought the costumes were gorgeous in Spencer. Um, and there were so many different just – I thought that was actually part of the narrative as well, right? Yeah. Which is why I, I kind of wanted to put my weight behind that. But – uh, you know, Cruella, obviously I voted for that, West Side Story. Uh, Nightmare Alley doesn't surprise me that it showed up. Uh, House of Gucci obviously being about, you know, fashion um, kind of makes sense that, as well. Like I get Spencer and what you're talking about, like the interwoven sort of, sure. you know, narrative with the costumes in the same way that like Phantom Thread is, right? Yeah. Where, where House of Gucci, like it should be, but those those outfits do not stand out at all. I don't know. I think they're, I guess, a little over the top, which is why they probably stand out to a lot of people. Um, so I, I, I guess I sort of see that. I don't necessarily agree, but right. Um, and then Dune is one where I just uh, like I. Well, it's the suits, right? Like I, I think, get I, it. I think a but, big thing is that the one suit where it's like it, it takes all your sweat. And your, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and there are all the different houses have a different look and basically outfits and stuff like that. So I, I definitely understand it. I just again, it goes back to that whole movie just feeling a lot of brown and grays and blacks, where I'm just like I don't find it that interesting looking. Uh, what did you have in this category? So I had uh, the Green Knight. Um, I Love had that the choice. Power yeah. of the Dog and Spencer. Okay, so none of your choices made it in. <laughs> no, which um, is weird that Spencer didn't make it in. Um, I think gr- it's weird, but yeah, then- but the green, but the Green Knight is one where it's like I feel. Like, again, it's a weird choice, but there's a piece of clothing specifically that is so integral to the third act yeah. that really kind of... But I think all the costumes in it are, oh, are amazing. Totally agree. Um, best hair and makeup. We got uh, Cruella, Dune, Eyes of Tammy Faye, House of Gucci, and Nightmare Alley. Um, I think I voted for... House of Gucci, uh, Cruella, and the Suicide Squad because I, uh, I wanted that to get in there just to kind of continue the, you know, the trend of the Suicide or Suicide Squad winning or getting nominated for hair and makeup awards. Even though that was the Oscars, I don't know. It what didn't the have Jared choice. Leto in it. That's why I didn't. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, and then what about you? Your three? Uh, my three for best hair and makeup are T10, The Green Knight, and Malignant. So none made it in. I nope. love those. Those are very inspired choices. Uh, I love and them. I mo- think that they're all worthy of oh, being absolutely. nominated. But there are three movies that, yeah, just are a little too weird and a little too small, probably. Shout um, out to my main man, Gabriel. Yeah, love I want it. Yeah, I forgot that the best sci-fi action movie or whatever it was isn't on the award show anymore because there's the whole super awards, right? Yeah. So that's a separate thing. So I hope Malignant's Time to Shine is the super awards. Gabriel for um, best actor. Um, but the Cruella makes total sense. Dune, I, uh, makes sense. I think more for makeup than it does costumes. Eyes of Tammy Faye, a lot of fake noses and different things in that movie. 
um, House of Gucci again. I think Jared Leto's fat suit alone, um, and it's Nightmare me. Alley, <laughs> uh, Nightmare Alley um, uh, as well. You know the costumes and the makeup and the hair uh, for that style of movie really makes sense. So, um, best visual effects: uh, Dune, The Matrix Resurrections. Nightmare Alley, No Time to Die, and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I had in this category Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I had The Suicide Squad, and I had Dune. So two out of three for me made it in. What about you? I had The Green Knight, uh, The Suicide (laughs) Squad, and Finch. Okay, so none of yours uh, made it in again. (laughs) I love that you're trying, though. I, know. I love it. Uh, but but you know what? Like, you got it. Like two so. of those, I actually thought had a shot. Dude, I I'm Suicide not Starro. Yeah, that is an amazing. I voted for effect. it as well. So yeah. I mean, I was with you. Um, and Finch made me like Caleb Landry Jones. That's cool. Which, I do want to watch Finch. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Um, uh, so maybe I'm part of the problem there. But um, the one surprising thing here for me is Matrix Resurrections because yes. I didn't think enough people saw it. I know it has screen because I've seen it pop up on some people's letterbox. Uh, neither you or I had Not access yet. to we it. We will be yet. seeing it soon, though. Um, yeah. Um, I know the premieres in a couple of days. Are you going to that? No. Oh, okay. I know it's on the 16th, I think. Um, but... Wusha. I know it's on our digital for your consideration thing. It just hasn't popped in yet. So uh, I hadn't seen it. So I'm, I guess enough people from our group uh, have, have seen it. So cool. Um, Dune, again, I think obviously the effects are, are pretty impressive in that movie. Uh, Nightmare Alley. I'm trying to think like visual effects, like... I guess it's not always just CG because there are some cool fire effects and, and different things. Well, also and like, like maybe augmentation bet, of certain um, prosthetics. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, totally. Um, cool to see No Time to Die show up oh, here. Oh, and the, uh, the uh, Rooney Mara's um, uh, sort of uh, attraction. The, the Right, the, the lightning the sh- and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Shang-Chi, cool for it to see it show up. Uh, best... Uh, comedy um you have barb and star go to vista del mar love that it showed up here that's fantastic uh don't look up kind of makes sense uh free guy okay um (laughs) uh the french dispatch and uh licorice pizza um so interesting to see French Dispatch didn't really show up other than production design. Which that um, makes perfect sense. For production design, yeah. yeah. I'm surprised it made it in here, but also not surprised. Um, Free Guy is the one where I guess a lot of people did like that movie, but I know the that... The ultimate pass. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I just... I, I remember being very whatever on it's it it's fine um, but it's like is it an awards film no like i think there's more inspired choices like red rocket and mitchell's versus the machines which yeah. i had voted for both of those i did vote for don't look up because again i i really do like that movie and i think it's blunt comedy really works for me and i think is very funny um and it got a best picture nomination so it doesn't surprise me that it also gets a, a best comedy nomination so uh i think barb and star is a very inspired and fun choice for this what did you vote for your three i voted for licorice pizza red rocket and shiva baby 
yeah, I would have loved Ship a Baby to show up here because it didn't show up anywhere else either. Although I didn't vote for it, I probably should have voted for that instead of Don't Look Up. Uh, but yeah, Mitchells versus the Machines and Red Rocket were the two where I'm like, if they're going to show up somewhere, I hope they show up here, even though I knew Mitchells. I wish I voted for, for the, I would have voted for the Mitchells and the Machines. I just was thinking, like, when I was thinking outside the box, I was like, okay, I put it in, uh, um, uh, original screenplay. So that's right. like me, like, you know, trying to push it in another category. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the the free guy just doesn't feel like super inspired no. to me. Like again, it's it, almost a default. Like know, what hey, comedies came out this year? What Ryan like, Reynolds comedy can we vote for? Because they they went hard on on Deadpool the year that um it came out. So which oh, you're makes going more, really blue. Yeah, that was what happened there. Is it just blue in general? Or well, now it? it's not. But I think, no, it, I think, I think it was it, almost like focused. I th- probably focused on my on blue your, sweater yeah. and then like just made my whole face blue. Um, are, you, are you trying to like, you know, do some advertising for Avatar 2 already? Yeah, yeah. It'll show up next year probably um, if it comes out. So, yeah. Um, but Barb and Star making it in is awesome. Yeah. Um, That's, that. that is the most interesting pick of those of those nominees. Yeah. Um, best animated feature. You have Encanto, Flea, Luca. Uh, Mitchell's versus versus the machines and Raya and the last dragoon um, three Disney picks here. Um, it always happens. I uh, love to see flea show up here um, because it didn't, well, it showed up at the documentary awards, right? Yeah. Um, so again, it, it confused me my first year. I forgot that there's no best documentary uh, category anymore. Cause they have a whole separate awards uh, for it. Uh, so it is good to see Flea show up in Best Animated Feature. And then because of the travesty this morning with the Golden Globes not nominating Mitchells versus the Machines, we correct it by nominating it for Best Animated Feature because that is obscene. But then we it... broke even for nominating Jared Leto for House of Gucci. Fair, fair, fair. Um, but super happy to see Mitchells versus the Machines here. Uh, I'm worried that it might not win based on it, you know, being forgotten about in other places, but I do think it is easily the best animated uh, movie of the year. Uh, Flea always throws me off because again, very, very, very different movies. And I know that Flea might end up taking this or a Disney movie will just win. Like it always does. I hope it doesn't. I mean like nothing against Disney. I, I get why they're like, you know, their bread and butter is animated movies first and foremost. Um, but it's, again, it's a default kind of pick for a lot of, um, so I hope Flea or Mitchell's makes it in here. I mean, my, my three were Flea, the Mitchell's versus the machines. And then my third pick was bell, which is this Japanese uh, movie, which is really, really beautiful. And and again, I just don't think enough people saw it probably. Right. No, but it did play, it did play can and then it played New York and then, it started kind of they started doing screeners for it and you could request a screener link as well and it is a very beautiful um vivid looking movie um in terms of its animation style and and its storyline is is familiar because it's sort of taking um beauty and the beast and kind of running with that but within the world of this online app and sort of how that kind of all plays out and it's again one of those movies where it's like you'd think that you know, G kids who's releasing it in North America. And they actually just announced the English language cast 
Um, oh, did they? I and it's not coming it. out until next year. Like I think it's January um, of 2022 where it's getting its theatrical release. <clears throat> but it's just it's just something different, and it's just totally, something yeah. really unique looking. And it's also kind of funny because um, the director also co-directed Digimon the movie. No, and really. There's a sequence in Bell that is very much like the sequence that takes place in uh, cyberspace. In because you recently watched that, didn't oh, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I and when that. I was watching, it was like. Why is this so much like Digimon? And then you movie? looked it up and you're like, like yeah, okay, that oh makes sense. God, no. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh the one that I voted for that didn't make it in was Paw Patrol the movie. So um I thought Paw Patrol was fun. Totally, um totally fine. Uh best foreign language film. We have A Hero, Drive My Car, Flea, uh, The Hand of God, and The Worst Person in the World. Uh my three were the worst person in the world, T10 and Flea. So two out of my three made it in, but T10. All neon um, movies too. Yeah, I was neon heavy on the best foreign language film. Um, I had themes in certain categories, which you'll see with uh, best score and then best director. I wanted to vote it for three women in this. I didn't subconsciously voted for three neon movies and then consciously in best score. I just went full Greenwood, baby. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, what did you have for best foreign language? Well, Matt, I also went full on neon uh, yeah. for this one as well. Petite Mama, right. T10, and Flea. And I would have voted for Petite Maman if I wasn't a moron and forgot that it was eligible this year. Petite Moron? Um, yeah, I was a Petite Moron. That is absolutely uh, correct. Um I'm cool with this crop, but uh, uh, T10 and Petite Maman, I would have loved to see make it in, but I don't know what you would push out. Like the Hand of God is flashier um, and being a Netflix movie maybe either helps it or they pushed it harder than maybe some of these other movies. Um, uh, I haven't seen uh, Drive My Car yet or Hand of God. Um, and did you watch Worst Person in the World yet? No, I haven't. So I'm yeah, be so there, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be watching Hand of God and, and drive my car for this. So, um, yeah, interesting crop, but um, best international rest foreign language is always interesting, right? Because I feel like there are always some snubs where you're like, man, did not enough people see them, or they just kind of went under the radar, or well, it like also that. sucks with the Oscars specifically, where it's only one film is allowed to represent the country, and right. when you have multiple movies that are worthy, you know, worthy. Um, like I like I because I have two films from France on my list with both T10 and and Petite Mama, but I think both movies are 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 worthwhile and they're both eligible here. But when it comes to um the Oscars, it's only a selection one, process yeah. where it's like only one movie can represent a whole country, which is a bit silly. But yeah, um, best song we have "Be Alive" from King Richard. Dos Arug, oh, I'm so bad. Dos Arugatas. <laughs> That's horrible. I'm terrible. Encanto. Uh, yeah, make fun of me. Guns go bang from the harder they fall. Uh, just look up from don't look up and no time to die from no time to die. Um, best songs always kind of just a, again, I, I went, I'm kind of hypocritical here because I voted for a movie. My usual rule is if a song doesn't show up actually in the movie, if it's just a, a credit song, you probably shouldn't, it shouldn't be eligible or it shouldn't be voted for. But I thought measure of a man 
from the Kingsman, which I just watched, was a banger, and I liked it. Just again, similar to a Bond themey kind of thing. Uh, but only and I plays also, in the end credits. Yeah, it only plays in the end credits. Where if it was an opening credit song, if they would have just went full, you know, okay, we're a spy movie. Let's have a spy movie opening. Uh, but I voted for it anyway because um, I really liked it and I've been listening to it a lot. But then I also voted for No Time to Die and Just Look Up. So uh, those are my three. What about you? Uh, I voted for No Time to Die. I voted for Beyond the Shore, which is from Coda. Yeah. And then I voted for So May We Start from Annette. Cool. Um, I didn't like Annette, but I do like that song. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And the and the song from Coda, I think, is an inspired choice as well. And again, it's um, in the narrative. <laughs> I agree with that. I went on my I, – I literally was hypocritical because I'm usually in the same boat where – it has to it can be the opening credits but that's part of the movie to me and i guess the closing credits are part of the movie but usually you just go to a a black screen right like if it's a stylized credit like a lot of the marvel ones go at the end of the movie instead of at the beginning and there's still a stylized credit sequence but i will say that measure of a man is literally cut to black credits and then it's the credit song so is that really an original song for the movie it is but it's not really part of the movie but it is part of the movie but anyways i thought i i really liked that song so um but i think that we got the kingsman literally like the day before voting so i assumed most people uh hadn't uh watched it but i'm again these uh, best song categories are always i would have liked but barb and star was eligible for this year or last year it's this See, year because it got so, nominated, right? Well, this year in in I guess critics in hours, groups, yeah. but in terms of the Oscars, it was eligible last year because they submitted Edgar's Prayer yeah. last year. Because that would I would have voted for that otherwise. I wasn't yeah. sure. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then finally, best score. Uh, you have Nicholas Bratel for Don't Look Up, Johnny Greenwood for Power of the Dog, Johnny Greenwood for Spencer, Nathan Johnson for Nightmare Alley, and Hans Zimmer for Dune. I voted for The Power of the Dog, Spencer, and Licorice Pizza. All of them, Johnny Greenwood. <laughs> all, all wood. Knock on wood, baby. Well, Matt, I'm two-thirds of the way there with you. I voted for Spencer, The Power of the Dog, and the green knight the green knight yeah you really tried you tried your damnedest with the green knight and i love you for it but hey, hey, it unfortunately did movie. not work no i agree with you I, I like it a lot it's um it's a fantastic movie but um Bratel for don't look up is interesting to me because even watching that movie and i really really liked it um i was trying to remember the score or bits and pieces from the score and i'm like i don't even recall much of the score to be honest and usually um, his stuff stands out. Yeah, I mean, I just the succession finale was last night, and and Bertel is a in, a great composer. Um, I just don't remember. Like, I'm gonna have to go listen to it on on iTunes or whatever after or Apple Music after this, because um, I just don't remember. Obviously, both Greenwood scores for Power of the Dog and Spencer are phenomenal. Um, even him and Licorice Pizza was me just kind of going, why not give him three nominations? I think that could be fun. Uh, but I don't. There's more licensed music in Licorice Pizza than there is Greenwood score. I think it's more of only, a curated soundtrack. Yeah, than it and is. he only has a couple pieces of music, I think, in the movie, even though he's technically the official composer of the movie. Um, Nightmare Alley, sure, I don't remember much of its score as well. Um, and then Hans Zimmer obviously uh, went off with Dune, so I uh, I totally understand that. Like, I think 
the most memorable thing from Dune. And I think doing a lot of the heavy list lifting with the cinematography uh, was Hans Zimmer's score. So I think when you have that bombastic score that Zimmer does for that movie with that IMAX cinematography, it really is like hammers home that this movie is good, even though I don't necessarily think it is. Well, also incorporating um, sort of world music as well, right? yeah, like, uh, from all parts the of, bagpipes. of the world. Yeah, that was the reason <laughs> it got in. But like even having sort of like um, the women's voices, you know. Oh yeah, the, the like choir—not necessarily a choir, but yeah, that kind of—it's sort of a choir. It's it's um, his probably his most experimental sort of piece. I think it's a great score. It's it is very bombastic still. And to your point, I think one of the things that is usually a saving grace for any movie, even if it's good or bad is his score. Like I, like I love, I love interstellar, but the first time I saw it, I wasn't as high on it, but the thing I really liked about it was, was Zimmer's score. score, Right. And I think his score for no time to die was really good as well, but, um, uh, a lot of good music this year, but, um, just remember when we saw him in concert. That was awesome. That was fun. (laughs) We saw him and John Carpenter in the same year, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Um, which was a blast. Um, that is the critics choice awards and that'll pretty much be our episode for today. Um, I'm excited to, you know, watch the, I think the majority of the nominees I have seen at this point. Uh, but there are a few that squeaked through that, um, I did not see. Uh, so I am looking forward to, you know, finishing up and watching, uh, the movies that I, I haven't seen. Uh, but all of the best picture nominees I've seen, mostly all of the acting nominees i've seen i think the only one i haven't is dinklage the rest of them i i have and then some of the technical stuff um i think i you know what i've seen all this i'm like oh i i did my homework i pretty much saw everything that got nominated um, well, you're also watching movies throughout the entire year yeah. right so like you know we started this year with Sundance as well. So we saw some stuff there like Coda and Passing and, and other movies that even though some of them weren't nominated, but are still very much in the awards conversation. So you've been keeping on it throughout the year. And even though, yeah, we might have not seen a few that have haven't that have been nominated. I still think that we've seen more than the majority of some awards bodies because some people do wait until the nomination um, the nominations are until screeners come in and and sometimes it's like it's a pick and choose kind of thing in terms of what they review during the whole year where i think we get a wide swath of of, of yeah reviews we i mean look all at all we have and... 300 plus reviews you know oh uh, yeah just on this channel um okay quickly before we uh wrap things up do you want to go over the couple trailers and then just finish up the show <laughs> Sure. Um, I mean, I don't even know if I, I watched them, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. No worries um, if you didn't. Um, but I will mention Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, which premiered at the Game Awards. And my boy Knuckles is in there. Um, again, I think the movie looks fun. I think they're going full. Uh, they're just embracing it. And um, it just looks like a fun kids movie, And like, which I kind of think the first movie was. And uh, full Robotnik for Jim Carrey. Uh, you have Idris Elba as Knuckles, and I cannot underestimate how much I was obsessed with Knuckles as a kid. Um, so that excites me as a Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Um, but again, looks like silly fun. Did you, you didn't see the trailer yet? Eric? No, I didn't. No. Um, I want to save that experience for the for theater, the, theater. <laughs> yeah, the way it was meant to be seen. Um, we also got a trailer for, um, I thought there was something else that we missed out on. 
I think that was probably the only thing. And then this morning we got a uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, Didn't even watch that. No, uh, I'll just quick impressions. Um, interest. I like Mads Mikkelsen more than Johnny Depp, obviously. Um, Less problematic for sure. For sure. Still looks like a Fantastic Beast movie. And I love the Wizarding World. Like I think Nevis and I are going to do another Harry Potter rewatch over the holiday. She's been itching to do one. So um, I think we will do that. I just, I want them to get these movies over with so we can get to the cursed child. And I feel like they're going to announce that soon. Like there's this whole Harry Potter, isn't it 20th anniversary special that's going up on HBO on HBO max on new year's day. I wouldn't be surprised if we probably know about it by now, but I feel like cursed child might get brought up there. And I don't know if the cast is old enough. They might have to wait another five or 10 years before they they do that but um i you gotta assume after they're done fantastic beasts like they're they're going to do cursed child so how many more um, of these are left there's supposed to be five in total for the fantastic beasts movies i hope i hope i think that's how soon i hope it's four (laughs) i think it's five um what's even which, worse is jk rowling is also even yeah she's terrible right. that's why i don't even mention her i think it's fine to like again it's a lot of the same stuff with video games of like having problematic people uh and and companies it's just like there are a lot of other people that work Involved. on these things that aren't jk rowling and like so i just try to just fucking ignore her and just like as much as i don't think these movies are great the fantastic beast ones but um i do think that there's so much of that world to explore and 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 i think you can have some fun stuff from that universe um and it's unfortunate who made it but um i think you know she's was more involved before than she is now but um i don't know the movie looks whatever like again i thought the second one was terrible i thought the first one was fine um I'll still obviously watch this, but I'm just kind of indifferent on it. And I just really want a cursed child movie, which I know we'll get. Um, but it's just when we'll get that. I think like even when fantastic beasts was first announced, I basically was like, this is literally them going, okay, we got to wait 15 years <laughs> before we can do cursed child. So why don't we make five of these movies? Cause we'll do them every two or three years. And it'll just kill time until we can do Cursed Child, and then that will well, probably... also keeping interest, right? Like, yeah, because you need people to still be interesting, interested in the Wizarding world. So the further you get along, the more intertwined it gets with you know the actual world of Harry Potter with Dumbledore and and the p- characters that we know. Uh, and then I think that will lead into doing Cursed Child, and then Cursed Child might span you know another. You know, sequel series of Harry Potter movies or HBO Max show or something like that, but um, we shall see. Um, and then news wise, I don't think we really, I don't know if there's anything. We did a show pretty recently, so I think we can keep it pretty critics' choice centric. Uh, unless you have anything that popped out, no, nope, nope. nothing at all. Cool, man. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, Like I mentioned, we have a ton uh, of kind of content coming out over the next couple of weeks. So uh, keep an eye out on Untitled Movie Reviews for Don't Look Up, Benedetta, Spider-Man Far From Home, The Kingsman, The Lost Daughter, Nightmare Alley, Red Rocket, Being the Ricardos, Licorice Pizza, Tragedy of Macbeth, Matrix Resurrections, Tender Bar, uh, Serrano Peppers, uh, The 355. 
Cobra Kai. So Cobra Kai. Um, there's so much coming. And even reading that out, I'm like exhausted because we haven't recorded any of that yet. So uh, we got to do, we're pretty busy, busy boys over the next couple of weeks. So Untitled Movie Reviews, check out all of that. We might also have some stuff coming up on Untitled Movie Conversations. There will be a Spider-Man Far From Home spoiler cast that will probably pop up there. Um that'll probably be your last conversation of the year but uh and then you'll also have uh untitled movie podcast 109 and 110 to wrap up kind of this year one of them will be to next year yeah and our best movies of this year um which you probably already kind of have an idea of but um i think that'll probably be one episode we love putting together our most anticipated of the next year and we'll probably rank how it worked out this year for us so that should <laughs> that'll be, really, be interesting that'll be fun so uh thank you all for listening we really really do appreciate it if you want a one-stop shop for everything just head over to our letterbox which is untitled underscore movies uh that's probably your best spot for everything uh as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Denny Villanueva.